Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset when it comes to faith, family, fitness, and food. Let's go. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. Thank you so much for listening once again. I hope all is well with you. Today I want to talk about overcoming racism. More than one sermon is necessary. If you have your Bible, I'm going to share with you some scriptures from the Word of God to kind of set all of this up. I think this will be important for us as the people of God, as Christians, and as we think about navigating through these difficult days Racial tension is something that we all are seeing and feeling. I've had a lot of people tell me that they really don't know what to say, that they are scared to even say something because they're fearful that that they may say the wrong thing. Uh, A lot of discussions have taken place since the tragic murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. After that, probably about two weeks after that, two or three weeks maybe, I probably had about 30 conversations with people, with brethren, about race, about racism. And people had lots of questions. And there are still conversations that are taking place. There are a lot of different things that are going on at this very moment, which I think is good. I think dialogue and conversations, I like to call them crucial conversations. There's actually a book called Crucial Conversations, It's a really great book. We actually taught it when I was at the Dallin Road Church of Christ. Uh, I did not teach it, but some other uh, brethren did. You can find that material, too, if you're interested at DallinRoad.com, D-O-W-L-E-N, Road.com. A crucial conversation is when the stakes are high, when opinions vary, when emotions are high. And certainly, whenever we talk about the subject of racism, It is going to potentially and probably turn into a crucial conversation. I'm thankful that throughout the years, I've been able to do a number of sermons talking about racism, talking about things that we struggle with sometimes with respect to biases. I did a class where we spent about a month talking about racism and challenges and and certainly making sure that we all understand that Jesus, that indeed he is the solution. We start thinking about racism. It's a matter of the heart. And Jesus would would speak about the matter of the heart back in Mark chapter 7. I have my Bible open, and so you may be hearing some of my pages turning here. In Mark chapter 7, if I'm remembering correctly, Jesus said in verse 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 number 18, He said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. You know, when you start thinking about racism, obviously there's an issue of pride and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. 
I got this title for this podcast, Overcoming Racism, More Than One Sermon is Necessary, really as I think about the the Apostle Peter in particular. If you go to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, I like to say that Acts chapter 2 is really the hub of the Bible. How so many things prior to Acts chapter 2 point to this chapter. How so many things after Acts chapter 2 point back to this chapter. What we find in Acts chapter 2, we find in verse number 1 that the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, talking about the apostles. And we're going to see the apostles receive uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 4, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Later on in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 15, Peter has to address some of the some of the audience, because some of them were mocking the apostles and saying that they were full of sweet wine, according to verse 13. But in verse 14, Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now watch what Peter says next in verse 16. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days. We're in the last days. God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. Now look at verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, Peter was preaching or rehearsing the words of the prophet Joel back in Joel chapter 2. And as you get to verse number 21, when it says, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What Peter's going to do after this, he's going to begin to help his audience to understand who the Lord is. By the time you get to verse 36, he would say, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, talking about Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He would help them to understand who the Lord is. He would help the audience also to understand that who, how to call upon the name of the Lord. Because those who call upon the name of the Lord, he said in verse 21, will be saved. So what's interesting, when you get to verse 37, when the, when the crowd heard this, when thousands of, of, of Jewish people heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They wanted to know what they needed to do. They recognized that they had sinned. They recognized that Jesus indeed is the Messiah, the one, according to verse 22, where where Peter said, Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. He said, you guys killed him, but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So now they recognize their problem. And so they ask the question, what 
shall we do? Now listen to what Peter says in verse 38, because this is going to help them to understand what they need to do, how they can call upon the name of the Lord so that they can be saved. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So he told them in verse 40, be saved from this perverse generation. Remember back in verse 21, he said, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he told them what they needed to do in order to be saved. He made it very clear who the Lord is, that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. And in verse 41, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people were saved by the precious blood of Jesus. By God's grace, we are saved. And they had received that saving grace through faith, repentance, and baptism for the forgiveness of their sins. But now I want you to go back to verse number 21, because this is the main point that I want you to see here, all right? Peter is preaching and reciting the words of Joel, and he said, it shall be that everyone. So here in Acts chapter 2, you had about 3,000 souls, about 3,000 Jewish people who were saved. But Peter mentioned those words from Joel, where he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because the gospel is for all men. It is for Jew and it is for Gentile. It is for all men, for men and for women. It's for everyone. And yet this will be a struggle for Peter when it came time for the Gentiles to receive this salvation as well. So what's interesting is that Peter on the day of Pentecost, he preached this sermon of salvation for everyone. Yet When you get to chapters like Acts chapter 10, when Peter is called to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, he's going to have a very difficult time. You see, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is going to to have this, he's going to fall into this trance and have this vision. In Acts chapter 10 and verse number 10, it says, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. And immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in his mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, Cornelius was a devout man, as we read at the earlier part of Acts chapter 10. He was a man who feared God and gave alms, many alms to the Jewish people, and he prayed to God continually. And so now Peter is being told to go to the house of Cornelius. The Spirit is going to say to him in verse number 19, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. So Peter has this vision. The Spirit speaks to him, telling him to go to the house of Cornelius. This is a big deal when you understand the challenges between Jews and Gentiles during this time. 
how the Jews viewed the Gentiles. They had no dealings with one another. And yet now Peter is told to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. And when he gets to the house, you can see and feel this tension that Peter has. He's already preached this sermon a long time ago, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter gets to his house, and Cornelius falls at his feet. Cornelius met him in verse 25 and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. Don't worship men, only worship God. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. I love the fact that Cornelius, he had a crowd waiting to hear the word of God at his house. Let's get the whole family involved when it comes to the gospel. Let's get the whole family involved when it comes to hearing the word of God. So Cornelius has been waiting, and so he rehearses to to, to Peter. And Peter is going to rehearse to him. And I want you to take note of what Peter says here as he talks to the many people who had assembled in verse 28, he said to them, you yourselves know, listen to this, how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. He said, you know that we shouldn't even be here, that this isn't how this typically operates between us and others. And yet God, he said in verse 28, has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came, even without, without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said, so he's going to rehearse what happened to him. And so I want you to notice what, what Peter said in verse number 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And so he's going to preach Jesus and who Jesus is and the fact that men have to believe in Jesus, that the resurrection is real. And what we see at the end of the chapter is that Cornelius and his household, well, they are baptized in the same manner that those in Acts chapter 2 were baptized. They were saved by the same blood of Jesus that those Jews had been saved from back in Acts chapter 2. And all of this has me thinking, That one sermon wasn't enough for Peter. There was still more for him to to learn and understand when it came to to tearing down these walls between Jews and Gentiles and the biases that they had or that he had and, and many other Jews had towards the Gentiles. I think this is a good example for us that as we think about racism and what's taken place in America and as we think about our past and as we think about moving forward, that we see here that One sermon is good. One sermon is necessary. But one sermon may not just be enough. There's going to have to be more dialogue and more conversation and more teaching on this as well from the Word of God. I say that because there's a couple of interesting things I want you to take note of that I think maybe is good for us as well. We see here in Acts chapter 10 that one of the things that certainly would have been good for Peter and the other Jewish men that were with him is the last verse of Acts chapter 10 that sometimes we overlook. In verse 48, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Now, the fact that they asked these Jewish men to stay for a few days, I think is pretty significant. Because my understanding is, and if I'm incorrect, please let me know, that it sounds like they would have stayed at the house of Cornelius for a few days. That's a really big deal. 
When you think about what Peter said in verse number 28, how he said how it was unlawful for a man, a Jewish, to associate with a foreigner. So I want you just to think about the the seriousness and the ramifications of this idea of them staying with these Gentiles for a few days. How amazing and powerful that would have been, this interaction between Jews and Gentiles. Peter came and proclaimed the good news of Jesus to this household. They were saved. They were now connected by the blood of Jesus. Their fellowship was through Jesus Christ. That's how they had fellowship with one another. What else is interesting, too, is that as you think about one sermon not being enough, what we see here is there's going to have to be some interaction. There's going to have to be some conversation. And it's going to have to be more than just one time or just one day. It's going to have to be something that's ongoing. There's also going to have to be some, there's also going to have to be dialogue. And when you look at Acts chapter 11, Peter and the other brethren, they went back. It says in verse one, now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So they are highly upset. What did you do? You ate with Gentiles of all people? They're supposed to be inferior to us. Well, watch what Peter does in Acts chapter 11 and verse 4. He began speaking. You see, one of the things that all of us are going to have to do is speak, talk to one another, We're going to probably say some things that may be incorrect, or maybe we could say some things better, but we can't have this mindset of where we're so afraid of, we don't say anything to one another anymore. That just can't happen. What if Peter just decided to close up and not say anything? He had to say something here in Acts chapter 11, because these Jewish brethren, they needed to understand some things as well. And so what he's going to do, he's going to proceed to explain to them an orderly sequence. So he's going to rehearse many of the events. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 11, he says, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. You see, Peter Peter needed to go there to speak words of salvation. And so what Peter does is he speaks to them about, about the gospel. In verse 17, he said, therefore, if God gave to them the same gift, as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? What a thought-provoking statement. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Don't you just love that? You see, as you think about that sermon that Peter preached back in Acts chapter 2, yes, everything he said there was true, though he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And yet he would still be on this growth process, this, this learning process, and there would be things that he would still need to overcome in the process of time. That interaction with Cornelius, no doubt, certainly helped him to understand more about the the mindset that he needed to have about God's will, that indeed salvation is for all men, Jew and Gentile. He would have to speak and have a conversation and have a back and forth with these Jewish brethren to help them along the way as well, to tear down and keep that wall that had been built up for so many centuries between Jews and Gentiles. That could no longer stand. And yet there was something else that would need to take place as you think about this idea of overcoming 
overcoming racism and how one more than one sermon is going to be necessary. You look at Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, we find Peter, the same man that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10, and also in Acts chapter 11. And what we see him see here is that the apostle Paul is going to withstand Peter to his face or oppose him to his face. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Those words are to be taken seriously. To stand condemned is a very bad thing. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. That's good. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. So around the Gentiles, he would act one way. But around when the Jewish brethren came around, he would act a different way. So listen to what Paul says here. In verse 13, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. You see, more than one sermon was going to be necessary for Peter. There's, there was this process, this journey that he was on. Paul had to help him. He had to oppose him to his face. He had to help him to see that there was a heart issue at hand because he was playing the role of a hypocrite. And that had a ripple effect on other Christians. So as you think about what we are going to need in the coming days and months and years, well, we need one another. We need the word of God. We need, we need the gospel. Jesus indeed is, is the solution. We're going to need time together to, to talk and to learn. And even at times, maybe even to correct. Because that's what we do as the people of God. Paul had enough concern and love for Peter to correct him in a spirit of love. No doubt about it. Because there was something at stake and that was his soul. Remember, Paul said that he stood condemned. Peter had influenced others in a negative way because of his heart. And I'm thankful that Paul had the courage to speak and to say something. Well, that's what we all need, whether we're black, whether we're white, whatever the case may be. As Christians, we help one another. We encourage one another. We spend time with each other. We speak and we help one another as we strive to make heaven our home. And as we continue on this year in 2020, I don't know what else is going to happen this year, but certainly we need to preach on these issues like racism. It is a matter of the heart, but we also need to have these one-on-one interactions with one another. Facebook is probably not the place to do it. Personal one-on-one interactions. Peter stayed a few days at the house of Cornelius. Peter had a conversation with these other Jewish brethren. Paul had this face-to-face conversation. That's what we got to get to. Social media is one of the worst ways to communicate. We need one another to be in each other's presence, to have these crucial conversations. And when we do, as we stay connected to God's word and his way, then we'll see how we can help others to understand the power of the gospel, the hearts that we are to have, and how we can be a light in this dark world. We have the solution, Jesus Christ. Let's hold on to him. Let's hold on to his way. Let's hold on to his will. 
Take care and God bless. I can do and so can you.